This is Bloomsbury Radio and we are celebrating Bloomsbury Festival 2022. Uh, really exciting to be again part of the Bloomsbury Festival extravaganza. And it's feeling fantastic this year. It's feeling different because I think because of, even with the COVID hangover of last year uh, seemed to affect things still a bit. But this year really feels like it's back with a bang. Now, right now I am joined, uh, really privileged actually to be joined by Catherine Edwards, playwright, actor, and dancer. And Catherine, you're very welcome. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> How are you feeling? Do you feel nervous in the radio station? A little bit, but I'm excited. That's great. Well, we always, we always say to our students when they get nervous here at Bloomsbury Institute that it's not nerves, it's excitement. Absolutely. So there you go. So you're <laughs> absolutely bang on the money. So Catherine, first of all, tell us a bit about you, a uh, playwright, actor, dancer. Wow. Can you just tell us uh, about yourself? Yeah, sure. So, um, I'm initially trained in dance. I've been dancing since the age of two um, and I've been performing for as long as I can remember. Um, but unfortunately, my, my dance career didn't work out. I have a condition where I dislocate quite easily. Uh, so I, I wanted to stay in the arts and I found acting. So I studied that at school and then I was very lucky. I got into the National Youth Theatre and from there got into uh, my writing. Yeah. Um, which I then pursued into my master's and got me here, which I'm very grateful for. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. So let's rewind for a second. So, so A-levels-wise, yeah. in school and stuff, what did you actually study to get into uni? So I studied English <coughs> literature, English language, and drama and theatre studies, um, which I loved. I, I was told not to study uh, English, though, because I'm dyslexic. Uh, I'm also dyspraxic and dyscalculic, which is immensely fun. Um, can I ask what dyscalculic is? Because excuse yeah. my ignorance, but what is that? Because I know, I know the first two, but I don't know the third. So the third one, <clears throat> so dyscalculia means you struggle with numbers. Okay, makes sense. Uh, so I'm not going to be a mathematician anytime <laughs> soon. But um, yeah, so I, um, they, they thought I would struggle a lot with it, but I've always had a fascination with language. Um, and I was very interested in studying linguistics. I wanted to actually do that initially before I went to uni. Um, but... Whilst I was studying, I went to the University of East Anglia for an open day and fell in love with the way that they taught. Um, so I tried to get in there. It didn't quite work out there the first time because uh, I was meant to get quite high A-level results. Yeah. And I ended up getting a BBC, okay. which, which is absolutely fine. Sounds pretty good to me. But, okay. um, but uh, wasn't good enough, sadly. And I spoke to my sixth form and said, can I, can I try again? And they went, no. Oh, no, gosh. maybe um, maybe do something else. Um, but I, I wasn't prepared to give up. Uh, so I went and did a BTEC at a college in Essex uh, in performing arts, uh, which was amazing. And I did that for a year and got the grade I needed to get into UEA, um, which was fan- fantastic. So it was nice to be sort of constantly working to get myself into uni. How long was that de- uh, degree at UEA? That was a three-year degree. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it was uh, fantastic. It's a very, very good uni. That was where I sort of started to think, could I write? Um, and I had amazing uh, playwrights in my year who were fantastic. Um, and I was lucky enough to be taught by Tony Frost um, and Steve Waters, who's an incredible playwright. Mm-hmm. And I got to see the Snoo Wilson Prize Awards and see all these up-and-coming playwrights and artists. And kept thinking could I do this but I never actually had the confidence to show anybody my work it wasn't till 
lockdown really um that the, the national youth theater i got in and they said oh, we've got a competition to keep you all busy it's um you know you, you write a very very short uh story and uh, if you like it james graham the playwright will will read it and he'll do a little one-on-one with you and i thought well i've got nothing to lose and nothing to do so um i i started writing a instead of actually a play it was a screenplay um about gordon welshman who worked at bletchley park and um yeah a few months later they wrote back to me and said we we liked what you wrote you can be part of the workshop and i was absolutely terrified (laughs) um and and james graham didn't hate it so i was like great um and then the second lockdown was coming and i I panicked i thought you know i lost my job i don't know what to do and i thought instead of moaning about i'm not good as a writer i was like well i can try uh so i sent off Again, initially, I was uh, sent off uh, applications to be a choreographer, but I was told I was too musical theatre. Oh, interesting. Uh, for many, but surely they got choreographers in musical theatre as well, right? Well, exactly. Yeah. But um, so I thought, well, that's not working. And a friend of the family said, "Well, try writing. You've got nothing to lose." So I so I did, and I sent off to Goldsmiths. Um, I sent off what I had shown James Graham, and uh, said, "You know, I'm." I'm not a very good writer. I've, I've got a lot to learn, but I've got a passion and an interest. And if that's something you, you're after, please put me onto your masters. And they did. And then I thought, oh God, this is very, very real. It's going to either be an expensive mistake yeah. or a fantastic learning curve. And luckily it was a brilliant <laughs> learning curve. Fantastic. So that ended. And then you obviously have a master's in... Dramaturgy and writing for performance. Oh, there we go. Okay, brilliant. So, which leads us nicely to the play that's featuring at Bloomsbury Festival. Mm -hmm. So, Umbrella. How soon did that sort of come into your mind to start writing that play? So, um, initially, we... So, it was written for my final um, assessment in my Masters. And I was thinking about what I would write for ages. And... um, I, I suppose from from the beginning of, of of the masters, I was brainstorming different ideas, and initially it's a bit dark. But I wanted to write about our relationship to to death and how we handle it as a, as a nation. Um, but I couldn't get out of my mind my grand because also in lockdown we'd been going through her bits and pieces and sorting through books, and I just couldn't get away from how angry I was that the disease got to know her more than I did. Dementia, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah, dementia. Yeah. Um, and it was just something that kept playing on my mind and my teacher said, well, write about it. Um, and so I did. And then I began to think, what if you could... I, I suppose as well with dyslexia, I think in a sort of black and white manner. And so I thought, well, what if dementia could talk to you? And it could express how monstrous it was, but also how interest it was in the human mind. Um, and yeah, I, I also spoke to my family before I wrote it and said I'd like to write about my experience with my gran and how much I miss her. Is that okay? And luckily they all were very supportive and said yes. Um, and it, it became a way, I suppose, to say uh, I loved her because for, for, for me, with my relationship to her, I was quite young when she got um, dementia and I didn't know how to 
how to behave around her without sort of scaring her or upsetting her or what was the right thing to do. And it still at the time wasn't something really spoken about in the news. Um, and for years I sort of sub- suppressed all those those memories. Um, and I think the, the, the biggest regret I had that I discovered when I was writing the play was that I wanted, at the end of the day, I wanted my grand to know she was loved, regardless of if she forgot who I was. And I think that became the whole piece for me was about expressing how much I loved her and, and trying to understand what she was going through, even though I know I never, you know, I never will be able to. Um, and on that process, I studied uh, with UCL. I did an online course with them in Dementia and the Arts. Um, also, I've, I've had uh, previous jobs where I've worked with clients who have a form of dementia. So I've seen the different lived experiences and it, it, I don't know, I suppose if I'm in lockdown, you're, you're thinking not only of your family, but you're thinking of the people who are alone. And the, the landscape of the world is changing, but so is their mind. And if they haven't got somebody there to hold on to, what mm. is that like for them? Mm. Um, so I suppose as well, the, 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 the play came from my wondering of do people know that they're loved? Mm. Does, does that feeling stay when everything else goes? Mm. I suppose. Mm. <laughs> Bit of a long-winded answer, sorry. No, but it's, but it's a great question because uh, my mum's got uh, as, as we, we, we spoke before mm. she's got dementia and she's in a home and um, you do wonder you know I mean she seems happy she seems to be in good form every time you call in or visit mm. but obviously there's different experiences of different people and, and you're right you can never know um, it's absolutely extraordinary I've been lucky enough to witness the play twice because we've recorded it here as a radio play mm. in Bloomsbury radio and it was a great it was such a great day because I think it was a, it was a first for you yeah <laughs> it was a first I think for the actors and a first for the director and a first for me producing it and it was kind of like it was just great it was, for everyone it was a first and it uh, worked out really well it's an extraordinary play um I didn't know whether I kind of just from my personal experience I kind of obviously because my mom hugely disliked Dementia, the voice, mm-hmm. the actor playing Dementia, not the actor, sorry, the, the, the character of, the voice yeah. of, because it was very kind of, you know, manipulative and those things, which is, which I think you presume Dementia to be. Yeah. Uh, but look, I won't give too much away. It's an extraordinary thing to witness and an extraordinary thing to uh, see as soon as you can. And as if by magic, <laughs> the director of the play has just, stri- <laughs> dude, you better introduce, yeah. do you want it, do you want it? <laughs> Do you want to say, just start talking into the mic a little bit? And yeah, of course. Do level. Yeah, fantastic. Um, Fashion relay as always. Apologies, everyone. Well done for well, you're here. So we're just been, we've just been chatting to uh, Catherine about the play, and she's done a brilliant description. Clearly, because obviously coming from personal <laughs> space, would. Um, first of all, introduce yourself, Mr. Director. Yeah, How about of course. We do that? So I'm Rowan. Rowan Gotobed. I'm a theatre director <laughs> and. I got involved with this project, yeah, just over a year ago now. Uh, was I went to Catherine. I went to university with Catherine. Ah, that's a connection. Uh, and you know, got on well there, and, and worked together a couple of times. And then, yeah, you, I think you just emailed me or messaged me like August last year. Yeah, and I remember you sort of said, "Oh, I've written this play. I read it, and I was immediately like, Catherine, you can write. Like, this is brilliant." <laughs> 
Um, and you know, my I have sort of lived experiences of, of people with dementia. So it's sort of obviously, you know, like yeah. many people, you know, it got to you. I or, mean, the, the three or, of us in this room have that. It's extraordinary. I mean, who mm-hmm. hasn't? It's probably that's more yeah. likely. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so no, I was I was really excited just to to have the opportunity just to a work sort of in Bloomsbury because I'm just done my masters at Birkbeck as well. So I sort of spent a lot of time around around the area. But actually, to just have, I mean, as last yeah, last October. What three or four days with with you, Catherine, and our fantastic three actors, mm. just in a room playing around with the text and sort of doing little bits of, I guess, dramaturgical work, talking yeah. about the play, and then being able to share a snippet of it with an audience uh, at the Rada Studios last year, and then obviously now being able to share it with a hopefully a wider audience. Oh yeah, hundred percent radio. So in in relation to your relationship, then. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that kind of begins with I need to find a director, right? Yeah. Okay, and that was just a chap you knew, or is that how you went for it? Is that how you plucked, or is there a, another reason why? Well, so I, so like Rowan said, we we went to UEA together, um, and Rowan had uh, written a short play. I think it was in third year, and I'd um, sort of went went to the role to sort of be his, his assistant, as it were, or be a production manager. And uh, Rowan created a theatre company, and I was um, amazed at his work. Um, you know, he could turn his hand to anything, and so um, I kept all up to date with what Rowan was doing. And when it came to sort of finding a director, I wanted somebody who could really engage with the the emotional complexity of the play. Mm. But also somebody who was going to be honest with me. Um, mm. I was a very frightened uh, playwright, so. Um, I was sort of like, please be honest if it's bad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, Rowan has a fantastic dramaturgical mind as well as the mind of a writer and director. Um, so it was it was really great to get his perspective on the play. And so when I asked and he said yes to, to being the director, I was over the moon. <laughs> I think what Catherine's trying to say is that she wrote an almost a perfect play. And she was like, to be fair to everyone else, yeah. who can I get to try and mess it up a bit? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and bring it down to the level of every other play. Well, I mean, and so Ro- that's what I've been trying to do. <laughs> Rowan, let me ask you this. So, because that's a difficult thing, isn't it? If, if, if somebody's come to you and said, you know, I want you to be honest. In other words, I, I want you to be brutal, mm-hmm. you know, in a way. Uh, is that a th- tough thing to gauge? Somebody who's your friend, somebody who's first play, mm. you know, so obviously you don't want to destroy the person. Is that kind of, you know, or are you just completely honest and you just give it all? How no, I mean, in all honesty, this is quite an easy play to talk about because I, I genuinely think it's really good and really strong. Okay. And, and, you know, there's like dramaturgical things, but actually it's mainly in the room where you discover, like on the, on the page, I think it's really consistent and, and completely makes sense. And then it was just when we got to the room, it wasn't a case of going, this doesn't work. It was a case of going, how can we make this better? Mm. How can we make this more specific? And, and help the actors out as well. Because I guess that's the big thing um, from from thinking as a writer as well, I think there's a big difference between sort of writing, I don't know, in your office or in your bedroom, sort of just putting names down on a page, to actually being in a room with actors going, oh, they, they're saying these words now, yeah. they're, mm. they're doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that was the main thing that we had to, I guess, adapt to and yeah. and and really find the right voices for the actors, which we we just lucked out on because we yeah. didn't do auditions or anything. We just and then we got sent a list of names of people who were who were available and interested. Um, had a kind of a quick conversation through a couple of them and then yeah luck tap was was all three of them um emma mckayla well, they're the first three in the door hard, was there a casting process was there some kind of no well, so, sort of we like you said we were sort of just sent really names and and headshots and things and um we, we, i mean we had a thing as well of people we knew but i mean to be honest 
um we got a good vibe i suppose from what we were emailed and sent and yeah once we were in the room with them i'd, I'd never heard my work spoken out loud before yeah um and so to put all of that sort of trust in in rowan and the actors they they delivered 110 yeah. percent it was incredible yeah as a as a actor yourself mm. does that complicate it a bit do you kind of find yourself <laughs> analyzing the acting skills of everybody else in the room because you are a trained actor yourself no, no. I mean, if they started, you know, doing their pour de bras, I'd be like, okay, I can, I can assess this. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, with, with the acting, um, it, it was more how they read the script and brought life to it. I was blown away by. Yeah. Um, and again, like Roman said, it, it was more about going, how can we make this better? What What is the character really trying to say? Were you, were you conscious that Girl could very easily sort of be done as, as a version of you? Like, there's definitely a version of play where you could play that character. Was that something that, I don't know, if you were thinking about at the time? So, sort of, yeah, because in a way this play is my chance to connect with my gran in a way I never could in reality. Mm. Um, and to try and imagine the, the scenarios and what I would do or what I couldn't do. Um, so I suppose, yeah, but no, I mean... Um, Melody as as girl just had so much depth and warmth mm. and strength as well. Actually, that I I'm not sure. I think I would have been too close to it for me to. Do. I would have been blubbering every five minutes, going. Ooh. I think it's really. Was, I remember the first time we reading it, and and you know, so it's a really moving play. But it was suddenly at the end, you saw that everyone looked up and and everyone's sort of <laughs> yeah. eyes were streaming with tears. And I've never been in a room where where that's the case. I think. Yeah. It was just something that, yeah, everyone was affected, like, and, mm. and like in a positive way, I think. It wasn't, you know, you're always wary that you don't want to, like, be triggering people or, yeah. or bring up traumatic experiences. But everyone, you know, it's, it's because they, they connect with the characters and, and the journey they go through. Yeah. Um, and sort of, the, the, I guess, especially the penultimate scene, the last yeah. one between Gran and Girl, that, that always makes me well up as well. Because yeah. It's just so beautifully articulated. Yeah. Of sort of the conversation that so many of us are, are robbed of having with, with people with dementia. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Ron, I want to ask you in particular in relation to directing mm. a radio play. <laughs> so when, because that was the f- first time you've done it, right? So beforehand you'd obviously directed, I, I presume, theatre stuff, that kind of, yeah? Yeah, pre- predominantly theatre. I've done a couple of audio projects, okay. so like audio tours, things like that. So I, I'm, I'm not in a complete stranger to... Microphone. Just having a microphone <laughs> yeah, yeah. in front of you and nothing else. It was kind of an extraordinary day, though, right? It was like mm. a, a, a few weeks ago now, but because uh, I, I wasn't sure what I was doing, <laughs> and it was kind of experimental in many ways. But kind of, you know, obviously it came out great, and that's a great thing. Mm. But um, from a directing point of view, how do you approach a radio play? Is it much different? Is it? That's a good question. I, I guess I've, I've, I need to do another couple to sort of compare because yeah. I think beforehand I thought it would be a bit more like my experience of audio tours, where it is a bit more. You know, you're just doing loads of different takes and then relying on a sound editor to cut them all together and create something, uh, I guess, legible out of that. So I think the big thing with this is obviously because we're doing it live in the room, <coughs> I was slightly worried about that and trepidatious about that sort of coming in, but actually... Yeah, I saw your face when I told you that. Yeah, <laughs> but actually, it may, it may, I think in the end it worked really well because it meant that the actors were just in the zone the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and because we rehearsed it as a play originally, yeah. yeah. Um, though I think it's perfectly suited to radio. That's what we've sort of been doing last year. Yeah. We've been talking mm. about movement and I guess choreography and all those those physical aspects. Yeah. To be able to just bring that into the radio play, I mean, it was all it was already had that detail. I think I think what you guys achieved in that day was extraordinary. If you think about it, I'm not sure many radio stations would be able to turn around, uh, you know, two takes in a mm. full go, and we could have easily have used take one. 
you know, take two was probably incrementally better. I guess yeah. you know the, I mean? the main the main thing in my <laughs> the, 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 my job on the day was obviously Catherine and, and yourself. You were both able to kind of work with some of the sound live sound mixing and all those things. My job there is almost as a cheerleader. I'm I'm just yeah. there to support the actors and actually try and take kind of the weight off it and and go look. You know, don't don't play the play the game basically. Yeah, play yeah, the yeah. script. Don't worry too much about. The, the technicality of how do you talk into a microphone yeah. or how we're playing with each other or what's going outside the window, what you can hear out yeah, the yeah, door. Yeah, 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 because all that was happening. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all just about focusing on, on the script. Um, and I guess it helped as well that, you know, they don't have to learn the lines. Obviously, mm. they knew them a little bit because we'd done some rehearsals on the previous day to the recording last year. But you were just able to go straight in and, and have some magic, yeah. Catherine, so... What's the future for the play? So it's going to, we'll get into when it's actually going out in Bloomsbury Festival, but you know, what has it been its recent past and what is its future going to be? So has it played out before anywhere? Is this the first time it's like a premiere listen or? Yeah, no, so uh, it's like Roman said, last year we sort of uh, showed a preview of it at the Rod Studios uh, just to give everybody uh, an idea of the play um, and how it worked. But this will be the sort of big premiere of it in its entirety for mm. radio, uh, which is going to be amazing and very, very exciting. And after that, I suppose I would love to, yeah, just have it continue mm. um, and be able to also sort of reach out to different charities that deal with forms of, of dementia. Yeah. Um, because there are so many fantastic uh, stories out there on, on dementia, which was something I was very, very aware of in, in the run-up to writing this. And I thought, am I trying to imitate other great works or should I just be honest with my experience so yeah going forward I'd like it to be something that people can can look at and say that they're not afraid to talk about it anymore even if it is upsetting and uncomfortable you can still find the lovely moments to to be able to listen to this play and the name Umbrella (laughs) why is it called Umbrella so when I was doing my my research into it um and I was I was working doing some research with UCL um, on their course. They say that um, dementia is an umbrella term. Um, it's it's a bit like um, cancer is an umbrella term. There are so many different different forms. And when you're when somebody goes in to be diagnosed, um, it's it's one of those moments the brain sometimes cannot handle. It's too traumatic. It's too upsetting. So the brain shuts it down and it simplifies things. So I imagined Grand sort of not wanting to um, to give it a name because I know for, for lots of people they don't really want to talk about it. Mm. So instead, in a way, it was her code word uh, of saying she she knows what's happening to her, but she's going to call it Umbrella so mm. that it's it's a little bit different, it's a bit weird, it's a bit quirky, um, but it doesn't have that horrible sting to it, that clinical sound. Uh, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Um, can we remind, or I don't think we mentioned it yet, how do listeners get involved in this play? How do they hear it? So when it's the 21st of October, right? Yes. Going out during Bloomsbury Festival. But what is the kind of place to go or whatever? Can you explain that? So we are going to be having a preview of the uh, recording at the Dr. Williams Library in Bloomsbury. That's going to be taking place at 2.30. It's free to attend. All I would ask is that you 
make a donation of maybe five pounds to either um, Alzheimer's UK or Age UK or a charity along those lines because especially with uh, everything that we're facing uh, those charities really need the support and that would just make me incredibly happy if people could donate and help those charities Um, but yeah and then at 7pm the whole play will go out live on Bloomsbury Radio Amazing well listen thanks so much for both coming in uh, it's been a great chat Thank you. and uh, I'm, I mean, yes, I've heard it, but I kind of want to hear it again. <laughs> so I'm excited about the 21st of October um, and listen, all the best for the event, all the best for the play, uh, your future careers and all that stuff. And thanks so much for chatting. Thank you very much. Thank you.